You know, I want to... Uh, I want to thank our worship team. Aren't they amazing? Why don't you give them a hand? Let them know you appreciate them. And uh, you know what I love about our worship team? I'm going to brag on them for a minute. They're not, they're not a performance team to get up on a stage and to perform. They're a ministry team that is... It's not about who gets the credit or who sounds better than whom, but we're here to lift up the name of Jesus and worship Him and give Him glory, right? Um, and I, I just, I love their hearts. I love uh, their heart for leading us in, into that intimacy. Um, and I do want you to know that we've been really doing something a little bit different. We're starting uh, worship kind of a little bit early. So if you want to come early and just start to... I don't know about you, but you know, a lot of times you, you come in on Sunday and it's kind of like life has just got you go, 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 go. And you come in, you, you sit down, you stand up, you sit down, you worship, you sit down, you go. And, and it's kind of hectic sometimes, even in church. Man, get here 15 minutes early. Come at 20 of, quarter of 10, and there's worship. They're already up here worshiping and kind of setting the atmosphere for our hearts to get prepared. So it's not like, you know, you just rush right in. And, and I know it's been making a difference in a lot of people. Just come and just be in God's presence. Show up a few minutes early. Don't just rush in here, you know, right at the time. Get here early. And you can enter into worship and worship a little longer. Isn't that good? I think that's awesome. Um, and I would also say this about Centerpoint. These, and I say this often, but the altars are always open uh, because without the altar... Uh, for God to transform, we're in trouble, and we're just another club gathering, right? But the altar's where, where the Lord meets us and He transforms us. And, you know, we're a, some people, what kind of church are you, non-denominational, this or that? We're a spirit-filled, full gospel, Bible-believing church, right? So, what that means is, it doesn't mean, oh, you know, that means they're the crazy people, or they're the weird people. Um, Here's, here's my, some of, some of you are weird, but that's another story. Here's the deal with, with worship at Centerpoint. Um, whether you stand up, you sit down, you kneel, you jump up and down, you clap your hands, you don't. Whatever you do to enter into God's presence by, that works for you, that you say, God, I'm here to give you glory. You see, worship is, is much less about you than you think it is. It's about Him. So my prayer in worship is we're not here to, uh, to look a certain way. So who cares what you look like? It's not about you. It's about him. Um, my, my request, and I say this often, whether you, I don't care how high you can jump. I care how straight you walk when you come down, right? And so yeah. God's Holy Spirit upon us to, to help us live a life that honors God in worship to him, not just here on Sunday morning around the altar or in your chairs, but when we leave this place, right? So... We're here just to, we don't want to be seen, we want him to be seen. So whatever that means for those of you out here, some of you might be you know, afraid or maybe you even um, measure yourself up like, well, that person gets really excited about Jesus and, and I don't, but I, I am, but it doesn't show outwardly. Is there something wrong with me? We all worship the Lord in different ways. Does that make sense to you? And I want you to worship the Lord from your heart that simply is is saying, God, I love you and I want to offer you all of my praise and all of my worship. Uh, and that's what worship is about. So for some people, it may look like, you know, you're kneeling at the altar quietly and, and, and somberly. That's fine. 
or you're sitting in your seat. No one's here to judge anyone because God knows your heart, but I would encourage you to continue to, to press into him in worship because, man, during those moments of time, you just never know what God will do in you. Um, I want to ask Jessica and Jamie, I don't want to embarrass them, but can we pray for you guys real quick? Would you come up here, please? A couple of our board members, leaders, uh, let's gather around them. Some of you guys that are here, would you come up and let's just gather around our friends. For those of you who don't know, they were, their home was in a fire yesterday morning. They lost everything uh, in the apartment complex they live in. And we want to embrace them with our love. And Jessica and Jamie um, are an amazing young couple. Jamie works for Teen Challenge. And uh, turn around and face this congregation. I want you guys to see them and I want you to love all over them. Can you do that? Uh, stretch a hand towards them and let's just pray for them. This is devastating when you lose everything. God, I thank you that um, they didn't lose their lives. I thank you that they're with us today. And although they, they lost a pet, and I know that's devastating, and they lost all their material possessions, I thank you that they have you, and they have the love of this family. I pray, God, that you would absolutely surround them and embrace them and show them your love through this church, Lord, in practical and tangible ways, whether they be a clothing or food or money or shelter, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would show them that you have not left them, you have not abandoned them, that your plan for them is still good and perfect and pleasing, and that your will for them is to prosper them and to bless them for a bright hope and a future, and that this, this awful circumstance situation that has happened has not taken them off track. It's not taken you by surprise and that you have got a plan. And I thank you that you work everything, even bad things, together for the good of them that love you. And Lord, in the middle of this tragedy, I pray that you would absolutely pour out amazing grace and love over this beautiful couple in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let them know you love them, would you, church? And we're here for you guys. Thank you, guys. This is a time when, uh, when you need your family, right? Jamie was in our leadership class this morning and I said dude I'm really surprised to see you here he said I'm not going to let the enemy take away what God's doing in my life so praise the Lord there's another lady in our church who's uh, leaving for Texas for six weeks and um, was praying and even her small group as late as Thursday Friday night and Saturday I think Lori said to me she's like I still don't have anybody to house sit for me. I don't have anybody to watch my house or to watch my cat. And then she heard of this fire on Facebook and she called Jess and she said, would you guys want to stay in my house for six weeks? I need someone to stay in my house. So isn't that amazing how God works? People question, you know, is being, a, is it being a part of a church really that important? The answer is yes, 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 yes. Absolutely yes. Because we're family. And the Bible says we're here to bear each other's burdens and to share each other's burdens. And I want you to know that this couple lost everything. They left with the clothes on their back, that's it. They've got nothing. Uh, so on our, our Facebook page, on Centerpoint, uh, Facebook page and the women's page, there's already meal trains kind of being put together. Um, if you want to give financially to them, if you want to give through the church to them, however you want to do it, um, let's bless them, let's help take care of them, let's, uh, let's be there for them like a family would be there for each other, right? So whatever you can do, please, uh, Jessica and Jamie Peabody, an amazing uh, new couple and fairly new to our church as a couple, but Jamie is on staff at Teen Challenge and works 
with the men there, and I love this couple. I'm, ex- I'm excited about what God's going to do through what the devil meant for evil. Isn't it amazing how God is going to turn around and use it for their good and his glory? God's going to get the glory. Enemy, you have no place here, amen? And God's going to bless this couple. So take your Bibles, if you would, open up to uh, two passages of Scripture this morning. Um, I want you to put your finger in Matthew chapter 7, a flip there, and if you're on your phone, you can do it that way quick too. And then I want you to also be prepared to look at Luke chapter 6. I'm going to be talking to you for the next few moments, actually the next few weeks, on the blessed life. The blessed life. And the blessed life, um, a lot of people have these preconceived ideas and notions as to what that means, what that looks like, and does it mean I'm going to be rich, and does it mean prosperity, and and worldly wealth, and worldly possessions, and uh, name it, claim it, believe it, receive it, and what does the blessed life look like? And we're going to really dig into what that looks like, but here's what I want you to know at the very beginning, is that God wants to bless you. God desires to bless you. And, and, and often people's response to that is, well, then why does my life so lousy? Why do I have such pain and such hurt and such difficulty? And we're going to sort through and we're going to kind of unpack all those things together. But I want you to understand this morning that it's all about your heart. Jesus is after something to bless you. And it's not your wallet or your pocketbook, although that's contrary to popular belief. People think that's all you want. No, it's God wants something beyond that. He wants your heart. He doesn't want just a part of it. He wants all of it. And when you learn to give him all of it, you'll be living in the blessing and the abundant, abundant favor of God in your life. And so we want to discover what that looks like as a body, as a congregation. And, uh, and I was turned on to this book a few years ago, a book by Robert Morris. He's pastor of Gateway Church in uh, Texas. It's a huge mega church down there. But I really love this man. He's got a heart, um, uh, truly a, a heart of God. And uh, he's just a man. He's not perfect. He's just like you and me. Uh, but he's got some wonderful teaching. And he wrote a book called The Blessed Life. And a lot of the principles that you're going to hear of the next few weeks come from that book. <clears throat> and I want you to understand and know that, that's, but also ultimately the, those principles come not from a man, they come from the man, right, from the Word of God, inspired, this book written by men, inspired by God, and that's why we dig into the Scriptures for ourselves. I've also got open to Deuteronomy chapter 15, um, and we'll get there later, but let's start in Luke, Matthew chapter 7, if you don't mind with me, Matthew chapter 7, and these are parallel passages, and I want you to understand uh, how they work together, and this, the principles that you're going to learn today in the next few weeks will absolutely, literally transform your life as the, the Word of God does, if you will allow it to, and these are life-changing, everybody say those two words, life-changing principles that the Holy Spirit will use to transform you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that the, the, the Word of God would be enlightened by your Holy Spirit. They would not be just black and white on a page or red and white, but it would be your Holy Spirit that opens our hearts and our minds to receive and to understand the principles and the truths of Scripture that will transform us. God, we need you. We're desperate for you. We don't want to hear from a man today, Lord. We need to hear from your Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, have preeminence in this place. And I pray, God, that you'd just use me as just your mouthpiece today, but that you, by your Spirit, would speak to hearts and change lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said in agreement, 
Amen. And you say, why do I do that? Why do I say in agreement? Because it's important that we be in agreement, right? In agreement with God and His Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 7, this is what it says in verse 1 and 2. Judge not that you be not, what? For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And notice the word money is not in this passage at all, right? And nobody sees that in there. The context is judging. Don't judge or you'll be what? Judged. You go to Planet Fitness too. It's the judgment-free zone. Nobody judges you. (laughs) Unless you grunt too loud or drop weights, then you're out of there. Um, I actually had a friend. Anyway, that's another story. So simply it's this. Judge not and you will not be what? And then it says, with the same measure you use, it will be what? Measured back to you. So cut what, you, what you measure out, what you give out, it will come back to you. So the first sentence, judge not, condemn not, and you'll not be condemned. Uh, verse, let, let's jump down to Luke now, chapter, uh, verse, sorry, Luke 6. I know where I'm at here today. Uh, verse 37. This is what Luke 6, 37 says, judge not, and you shall not be judged, Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be what? Verse 38, what's the first word? Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back. You know, oftentimes the, the middle passage here, we, we, we see that first part, judge not, you'll be not be judged, condemn not, blah, blah. And then we miss out on that whole middle section. And because we miss out on that middle section there, the context is often lost. The context of what this scripture is, is really trying to say. And as I said to you before, the word money is, is not mentioned at all in this passage of scripture, but... Oftentimes people think about money and oftentimes people use this passage of scripture and they talk about money and they preach about money, but the fact is that word is not in the scripture at all, is it? Has anybody seen it in there? And I'm not, even in different translations, right? It's not even in your translation. Okay, just making sure. But when we hear hear the word give, what do we think about? Right. We often go to our pocketbooks or our wallets, money. We think giving, we associate with money. But I want you to understand about the word give, giving. We we talk about that here in this church. In fact, we we talk about uh, God's grace. For God so loved the world that he what? We just took we just partook of communion a moment ago, right? And we when we receive communion, we remember that it's God giving us his love. For God so loved that he gave. The word give. We can't talk about God's grace and not talk about giving. We, we can't even uh, talk about or speak about relationships or marriages uh, because they all, that all goes back to giving. See, a marriage is not going to work. A relationship doesn't work unless both parties are givers, right? It doesn't work so well if one is just a taker and wants to receive, 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 right? And are you with me? Both people have to be willing to give. That little four-letter word. 
So challenging at times, isn't it? So this principle applies to every area of your life. Giving, giving is all about this. Not the nice shirt that I'm wearing, no. What? The heart. Giving is all about the heart. And it applies to every, every area of your life. It's important that we understand that giving is about the heart. Jesus said this. He said, where your treasure is, there will what? Your heart be also. And many people that, you know, they, they kind of get caught up here. They like to say, oh, the church just wants to, the church just wants to talk about money. And, and the answer to that is no, the church is not after your money and doesn't want to talk about that all the time. In fact, pastors hate talking about this topic. I don't, I don't enjoy it. And I, I usually preach and teach on stewardship, on giving every few years because it's important that you understand the Bible talks about it. Right? About giving money. But this is really, today is, is way deeper than that. It's about your heart. The church is not after your money. God, God's after your money. You know why? Because he's after your heart. See, he doesn't really need your money. That's, that's ridiculous. He doesn't, he doesn't need that. What he needs is this, your heart. And this is where I want us to go the next few weeks to understand that, that your heart is directly related to, connected to, very intimately close with your money. Isn't that right? But God's after your heart. You know, um, you can tell this by thinking if, if you, uh, I, I'm not a stock person. I don't put any money in the stocks. I just never have. I'm not against it. I just... Uh, I've never had any extra to do that. I put, I invest into my kids. That's where, I don't know if that's an investment actually. That's a, uh, they have clothes and are you happy for that and thankful for that? That's good. Um, but I've, I've just never had the, the additional resources, if you will. I think it's wonderful. A lot of people do that, but I don't ever check the stocks. You know why? Because I don't have anything in there. But I guarantee you, you put a hundred dollars in there, you put a thousand dollars in there, you put whatever in there and what's going to happen? You're going to start checking those things, aren't you? Because now you're going to care about what's going on with them. You're going to want to know what's happening with what? Your money. And I don't blame you. I would want to know as well. That's, that's really what, you know, uh, we, don't, we don't worry about things that um, we don't have any stock in them, if you will. But listen here. God is, he's, he's looking at for all of us and wanting us to understand if you want your heart in the kingdom of God, Put your treasure in the kingdom of God. See, it's a hard issue. He's talking about in this passage of scripture, judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. He says, do not judge or you'll be, do not condemn or you'll be. But then he says, give, give what? He says, give judgment and judgment will be given back. Right? This is the part that, that we don't hear often. He says, good measure, look at your Bible there, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you give judgment, that's what you're going to get in return. If you give condemnation, that's what you're going to get in return. That's what you receive. If you give forgiveness, then you're going to this is what will flow to you. Forgiveness will flow to you. So the context of this message, or this, this verse, if you will, 
is for with the same measure you give judgment and condemnation and forgiveness, you will get it back. Now we can, of course, we can apply this principle to other areas of our life because of the laws of sowing and reaping. If you sow a seed, you're not going to get just a seed back, right? Thank God for that. You sow a seed and you're going to get what? A plant or a tree or a harvest that will produce many seeds, right? So the laws of sowing and reaping are what we need to understand about what this passage is teaching us here. But the basic problem that we have with this passage of Scripture, whatever you give, a lot of people say, this is, this is, this is where we go a little bit awry. Whatever you give, you're going to get more back. So whatever you give, it's better to give good things than bad things, right? Because you're going to get back more of that, whatever that is. You're going to get more of it back. But the basic problem with this teaching on giving here is that much of the teaching on giving is based upon give so that you can what? Get. Right? Give out so you can get more back. Well, I'm going to give more so I can... So therein lies the problem with some of our motivation. When getting becomes your primary motivation for giving, you're upside down. You're flip-flopped. Well, I want you know, I, you know, it's not in my heart to forgive my wife because she was a jerk, but I want to be forgiven, so I'm going to forgive, forgive, forgive so I can get back. Fill in the blanks. Judgment, condemnation, all of those things. We don't give so that we can get. I think I heard one amen there, so that's good. <laughs> Here's the point. God doesn't want you to, to, to catch the vision of getting. He wants us to catch the vision of giving. What an awesome opportunity with, with Jess and Jamie right now. And I'm, I'm not trying to focus a lot, guys. I understand your hearts. But man, what an opportunity for this church to give and to be generous and to bless right now. He wants us to develop a heart of generosity. So how do we do that? I want to look at Deuteronomy now, chapter 15. Flip over in your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 15. And we want to look at how, the question this morning is really this, in the next, in the next few minutes, how do we develop a heart of generosity? In Deuteronomy, God tells us that we need to do four basic things. Four, uh, and I don't want to say simple, but they're basic ingredients and, and they won't be foreign to you when we talk about them. But God tells us that we need to do these four things to develop a heart of generosity. If you're not generous and you want to be generous, or you are generous and you want to be more generous, these are the principles in the Scripture found in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse, uh, verses 7 through 8. You know, this is generosity to the poor specifically that we're learning about here. And Moses is teaching us, number verse uh, 7, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, notice the giving there again, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his needs, whatever he needs. So, the first thing that we need to do, the four things that, we're, if we're going to have a generous heart, if we're going to be generous givers, givers again of all these, the good things that we should be giving, give generously of your life. In order to become a generous giver, we must first confront the problem of a selfish heart. 
Well, my heart's not selfish. Well, let, let's, let's let the Lord be the judge on that one. Um, God cares very much about our hearts, right? And, and it directly addresses the issue in verses 7 through 15 in terms of generosity in our giving. Moses exhorts the people to give generously and willingly to those who need help. And there's people all around that need help. Look at verse 9. I'm going to jump right down to, to verse 9. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be of evil, your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin amongst you. I want you to notice that selfishness is wickedness in God's eyes. And, and it becomes sin. If a brother comes to you and he has a need and, and you are willing and you open up your hand to him, what he's saying is that if, if a person refuses to, to, to give to a fellow Israelite brother thinking about the debt and this is what's going to happen, uh, that, that it, uh, the, there was something that got established in, back in the day, which I think is a wonderful thing. Uh, it's called the year of Jubilee. And within seven years, if you had any debt during that, that after seven years, that debt was completely released of you. Wouldn't that be great? So you can go home and call Citibank today and say, listen, I think it's the year of Jubilee. And they're going to say, dude, you're crazy. Um, it would be not, but the year of Jubilee was this. It was a year that all the debt was released. So this is what could happen potentially. You could say, well, I'm going to give, you know what, Zach has a need and I'm going to help him out and I'm going to loan him some money. Uh, uh, and he's going to pay me back, but oh man, you know what? The year of Jubilee is like only six weeks away or six months away, and then everything's going to be released, and he'll be released of his debt. There ain't no way, because I might not get my money back. So if this is what this passage of Scripture is teaching us, if that's what's in your mind, then you're giving with the wrong heart. If you're so worried about getting back receiving back, then you've got the wrong heart in your giving because who is your provider? Okay, just checking. <laughs> See, God designed a wonderful financial plan there, but God wants us to learn here to become generous because he is generous. Basically, what God is teaching us that is if in your heart you're thinking, I'm not going to get what I lend back, whatever, whatever his need is, because he may not be able to pay me back, then we've... We've got the wrong heart. God calls selfishness wickedness. And you're not being generous. Learn to give generously. That's a, that's a, whew, Lord help us. So why did God create giving? As I said before, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't need uh, whatever it might be. Again, we're, we're getting back into money here, but I want to go back. It's not just about money because it wasn't in the, our original passage. In this particular passage, we're talking more about money, but it's about giving selflessly of your lives to others. God didn't create generosity because he needs more money or more resources. God owns everything, and if he indeed needed something, he would simply create more of it, right? The reason God created giving was for your benefit and for my benefit. It's for us. Think about this. Well, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't quite get that, Pastor. Why? Uh, God is not up in heaven thinking, oh, how am I going to pay these bills and I don't know what I'm going to do with this or how I'm going to do that. 
God created giving for your sake and for my sake. Giving more than anything else, anything else that a believer can do, works selfishness and greed out of your hearts. As you begin to give, it works out those fleshly things that need to come out of you. You're exercising your spiritual muscles when you give. Not to get, but you give with the right heart. But herein lies a lot of the problem with the, the church's teaching on giving. Much of what we're taught, again, is give and you'll get. Give and you'll get. The problem is that that's actually, that works selfishness back into your heart. If that's your motivation, think about that. If your motivation is, well, I want to give more so I can get more, it's totally this, this oxymoron going on. That's, God is wanting to work selfishness and greed out of your heart. When you give with the wrong motivation, you know what you're doing? You're working selfishness and greed back into your heart, right? Well, I'm going to give more so I can get more. And if I do this, then I can get more of that. You, are you with me? The heart has got to be right. The, the, the motives of the heart have to be right. Um, let me move on to number two. For the sake of time, I'm not going to share a lot more on that. Number two, deal with a grieving heart. In addition to dealing with our selfish heart, God wants us to take care of our grieving hearts. In the Bible right here in Deuteronomy, he's talk, now he is talking about money here, so let's talk about giving. Deuteronomy 15.10, he says, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because of this thing. This thing is giving with the right heart. So you're not be grieved if you're giving with the right heart. The Lord your God will bless you in all your works. How many of you want to be blessed in all your works? That means throughout every area of your life, as a parent, as a mom, as a father, as a son, as a daughter, as a student, as a worker, I want to be blessed. God wants to bless you. So this is what he's saying here. The Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all which you put your hand to if you learn to give with the right heart. The scripture teaches us that God will bless you in everything you do. This is a heart issue. But realize that selfishness attacks us before we give and grief attacks us after we give. I remember when we were doing our capital campaign for our building project. This is probably seven, eight years ago or so, we called it the Beyond Campaign, and God uh, had put it on my wife and I's heart to give, um, to give more money than we had to give. Don't you love it when he does that? And the Lord had um, encouraged us to set a goal that I knew we could not reach on our own. It was more than our resources would allow. And after having some discussion with the Lord about that, um, healthy discussion, a negotiation, have you ever done that? Um, we decided to make that our pledge and our commitment that we were going to give to the campaign, knowing that we couldn't do it on our own. It would have to be supernatural from God, but we're going to do our part. We're going to make sacrifices, do what we needed to do. Shortly after that, everything that could go wrong starts going wrong. Wash machine dies, the stove stops working, the car needs brakes. Have you ever noticed that? If you make a commitment, you're like, I'm going to do this, everything but the kitchen sink seems to break down. And maybe even that along with it. And so that can be a little discouraging, right? And I, and I understand what, I've been there, I've done that. And um, I didn't say this earlier, by the way. My wife sends her greetings. She had to work today. She doesn't have to work a couple Sundays a year, but she's away today. And I was just thinking, <laughs> I know this is probably, this is a squirrel moment. You ever have one of those squirrel 
I am so hungry. I'm hungry right now. And I don't know what we're going to have for dinner. Sorry, guys. Well, Joseph's, my son's down there saying, Joseph's, that'd be great, but I don't have any money. I forgot. I don't have any cash on me at all. Um, so I think we're going to be up the creek for Joseph's. But you, you don't have... You have some cash for me? Oh, Z Zaggy! I love you. Uh, it's, only, you. it's only at 15% interest, so... Oh. <laughs> 20, 40, 50 bucks! Thank you, Zach. That, that's, enough, that's enough for one teenager. So let's talk a little bit more about my lack of money. <clears throat> Anybody else? So thank you, Zach. That was very generous of you, very kind of you. Um, but honestly, let's talk about that for a minute. Why do you think he jumped up here so quick to give me that money? It wasn't his. It was mine. I gave it to him before service. He didn't do it. I, I mean, I love him. He probably would. But honestly, Zach's not all upset and he's not grieving that loss of $50 because it wasn't his $50. I'm still grieving the loss of it. You're still grieving the loss of it. I think I said when I gave it to you, I'm going to want this back. Because I know Zach. He's like, thanks, PC. I'm out. Um, so here's, here's the reality. A lot of times... We, we give, and then we grieve after we give because we think it's what? Ours. Right? And we don't have to grieve after we give if we recognize and understand it wasn't mine in the beginning. That money wasn't his in the beginning. He had no problem giving it away because it wasn't his. Are you following what I'm saying here? A lot of times we give to the Lord and we grieve over our giving because we think it's mine. Mine, 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 mine. I, I had the opportunity to, um, to go in the daycare this week and it reminded me of um, when my kids were younger and, um, and I can remember that sharing uh, was not a natural thing for children. Uh, and the word mine is this, the, like the first or the second word they, they learn. It's mommy and mine, 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 mine. Well, maybe we'll talk about that later. But Remember, God is the owner because everything belongs to God. Say the word everything. In our short lives, we have the opportunity to be resources of, or stewards, I should say, of the resources that come our way. But God already owns everything. Everything belongs to him. Number three, develop a generous heart. Look at verse 14. Um, you shall supply him liberally from your flock, liberally or generously, from your threshing floor and from your wine press. For what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give him. God wants you to be generous. See, we're born selfish. We're born again generous. You have to renew your minds, right? God is, again, dealing with our hearts here. Think about, I'll talk about that. Think about your children, right? And the, the some of the first lessons that we had to teach our kids were to share. Um, share. That's not yours. I, there was a cute little boy. Uh, I won't tell you any names, but he's, this, he's, one, of our, um, he's one of our very active 
little uh, boys in the daycare, and he doesn't use a, um, he doesn't use many words, but he's like a little tank. And uh, and I went in there, and I love the kids. They're like, oh, Matthew, Craig, Matthew. Some of them use a lot of words. Some of them don't use many words. But but this little boy knows what's his in that daycare, and everything is his. So there's little cute little girls over there playing little things over there, and I walk in, and he, he wants to show me. It's like my puppy. I don't know why, but they want to show me their toys. So he runs over and like pfft, mocks the kids out of the way. The girls grabs the door. Patrick, Greg, Patrick, Greg. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And and and, and so he gives it to me. And he goes back over to the girls. Do, 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 and they're like, that's mine. That's mine. He goes, mine. And it, that's all he says. Mine. And he comes over, he gives me his toy. I'm like, it's okay, let the girls play. Then he goes to the other side of the room and he's picking up toys that nobody, and he's trying to get a whole handful of stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, mine. <laughs> this is a true story. He likes, these are like his toys. And they all belong to him. He's very selfish with his toys and he doesn't have a very generous heart. But listen, do you want, I want you to understand what God's saying here. God is saying to all of us, and it starts at a young age, it's time that we grow up. It's time that you grow up. When, when are we going to grow up and become like our father that loved so much that he gave? He didn't hold back, right? He loved you and me so much that he gave the very best, the very greatest, and he continues to give to us grace and mercy that are new every day. The last thing I want us to understand this morning is to develop a grateful heart. Look at verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. He's saying, I command you, this thing is to be generous. He is commanding us on the authority of us remembering that everything that you have came from him. We need to remind ourselves every now and then that we were once slaves to sin. Remember where you came from. Remember who you once were. And that'll help you. It helps me remember where I could be and it makes me very grateful for my salvation it makes me very grateful to know where I came from because I was I was not such a nice I grew up in a wonderful Christian home but I, I decided to go um, a wayward path in my life I'm going to share a story is Brian who's at the camera back there I don't know who's there. Can you shut down the feed? We're going to go ahead and tune out now, okay? God bless you. If you don't mind doing that, buddy. I'm going to share a story. And I'm going to, the reason I asked them to.